So we're continuing the concept that we were dealing with yesterday. We are on page 58, the middle of letter four. And what we were discussing yesterday is this response to the idea that Benjamin had been expressing in that very first letter that he addressed to Nafeli, in which he said that the purpose of life is to achieve happiness and perfection. And the way he defined happiness was to be happy. And the way he defined perfection was to give something of consequence to the earth. And therefore, he said, to me, Judaism has not done that because the Jews are the saddest, most persecuted people. And what sort of great achievements have they really given to the world? So Rav Hirsch had responded that the real way to define happiness and perfection is in terms of your level of fulfillment and productivity of your taking your potential and turning it into reality and actually accomplishing everything that you have the capacity to accomplish. So continuing this concept, the angel in charge of man's coming into existence, says one of our sages in the Talmud, takes the seed which is to develop into a human being, brings it before the Holy One, whose will all beings serve, and asks, this seed, what shall become of it in life? Shall a human being growing from it be strong or weak, wise or simple, rich or poor? What the Talmud is expressing in a poetic fashion, you know, by using this uh, as if it's actually an actual incident that occurs, is that there's an angel that takes the tipa, the little drop of, a, of that, you know, right when the embryo starts growing, and it's this tiny, tiny little drop, right? And the angel almost takes this drop and brings it in front of God, right? It's trying to illustrate a picture for us to make it more real. It asks, it asks God at that time, the human being that is growing from this seed, is this human being going to be wise or not so wise? Will it be rich? Will it be poor? Will it be strong? Will it be weak? And there are certain things that God tells him the answer. This human being is going to be rich, strong, and wise, right? Those are things that are already determined before we are born. What he's trying to grapple with over here, and this is really what the Talmud grapples with, is the idea that on the one hand, we understand that things are granted to us. There are certain roles in life. There are certain things that came to us, whether because of genetics, our nature, or whether because of nurture, the family that we were born into, right? There are certain things that there's no way around it. This is destined to be. But then there are other things that we have the ability to choose our own destiny. So the Talmud deals with this by saying, the, in regards to certain aspects, God decides before we are born. What is it that God does not determine will happen to us and is up to us to determine? He does not ask whether he should be good or bad. That is not something that God decides. For everything depends upon God, except for the fear of God, right? This is the famous phrase. Everything is in the hands of God, except for the fear of God. God does not choose whether or not we are afraid of him. Except the faithful fulfillment of one's duty, but the means granted to him. Right? So the only thing that we actually have full freedom to choose what's going to happen and what we choose will become reality is in terms of how we decide to live our lives, in terms of whether we're going to get that raise, in terms of whether or not we're going to end up getting, getting sick. You know, the, forget, forget a coronavirus, but everything in life, our health is precarious, right? You know, so thank God we're, we're healthy. But, you know, all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're not so healthy, right? 
Is there any way to really stop that from happening? I was speaking with an individual this week. He's in his, um, he's in his mid forties and he's in great shape. And he told me, you know why I work out so much? Because my mother's in her seventies and she's not doing so well physically. And he doesn't want to end up like her. I didn't say anything to him, but the reality is we can do anything we want. And, and of course we should be healthy. And of course we should take care of ourselves physically. There's no guarantees. There's no guarantees at all. The only thing that is in our capacity is the choice to figure out if we want to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Thus, let us not judge man by all those things that are not really in his hands, but rather by that which God put entirely in his control and which therefore can alone constitute his greatness, his fear of God. So when you're trying to judge whether or not Jews can achieve happiness and perfection, let's be clear. You cannot devise external criterion by which to judge whether or not they're successful. That's not the fair way to judge that because that's not something that fits in their capacity. What you have to judge success is, are people actualize their potential? Are people acting in a way that exhibits that they believe that and fear and respect God? That's the only way that we can really you know, choose or decide if someone has really achieved greatness or not. Thus comprehended, the purpose of man can be attained by anyone at any time with his individual measure of strength and means. Once again, he's hammering home the same point as we discussed yesterday. When we talk about who achieves a higher pinnacle in life, the person who starts off with all advantages, and you know, there's a phrase that they call it these days, right? The person who was born on third base, he thinks he hit a triple, right? As opposed to the person who has all the advantages handed to him. Yeah, of course you ended up at third base. Of course you're a millionaire. Well, your dad was a millionaire and he bequeathed you a million dollars. That's not a big deal. The person who grew up in the projects with a single, being raised by a single mother with his father in jail, and he ends up being a respectable homeowner with a, with a two-family, with a two-parent household, and has some money saved in the bank, perhaps he's done a lot better for himself considering where he started from. Whoever in his lifetime fulfilled the will of God towards the creatures brought into his orbit, wronging none, assisting each one to the best of his ability to reach the goal that God intended for it. He was truly a man. He expressed justice and love in his life. His entire life, all of himself, his thoughts, feelings, speech, and action, even his business transactions and personal enjoyments represented service of God. Such a life transcends all vicissitudes, whether in luxury or privation, abundance or want, whether with tears of joy or of sorrow. Such a human personality, unchanging almost like God, sees in every new blessing, as in every loss, merely another challenge to tackle anew the same unchanging task. Now, that's a lot to unpack over there and an important paragraph. But I think we can say this, this uh, encapsulates anything that is good about for someone was asking me recently about the Stoics, right? The, the philosophy, the Greek philosophy, the, the Stoics philosophy, the idea of, of taking everything with equanimity and recognizing that um, this is what's going to happen to you no matter what. And then the question is, how do you react to that, right? You know, to, to, to ensure that we, that we recognize that, you know, it is what it is. What's important is how we react. So that idea, that idea specifically is certainly something that Judaism is completely in, in tandem with, in unison with, the idea of how do we react to in external circumstances that have an effect on our life. And, and also, you know, Viktor Frankl, right, the search for meaning, you know, the 
psychotherapist um, who from Vienna, I think he was, and he went through Auschwitz and he wrote this beautiful book talking about his, his experiences in the Holocaust and how the truth of the matter is the one who was victorious is the one who reacted properly to the circumstances that they were put in. And ultimately in life, that's the only way that we can really figure out is how we react to circumstances. These are all things that are really based on a Gemara in truth. There's a Gemara. We did it this past Friday morning in our tefillah class. And the Gemara tells us that the, when we have certain types of incidences occur to us, then we have to, we thank Hashem for having done good for us. And we have other types of incidences, sad incidences, not happy incidences. We recognize that Hashem is the true judge, right? So what are we saying? What we're saying is, is that no matter what, Hashem does what is good for us. No matter what, Hashem is in charge of the world. But not always do we see what exactly is going to happen and what exactly is going to be the true result. But what we are mandated to do is to react with the proper sense of equanimity and to keep that sense of faith that this is the, what is happening to me is happening to me because it is supposed to happen to me. That kind of life that recognizes what I could change and what I can't change and accepts what you could change, accepts what you cannot change, and then strives to do good in whatever way they can do good that's a life that really achieves the pinnacle of happiness and perfection, right? If you keep the wrong perspective of what's called happiness and what's called perfection, then you're constantly pursuing material results. You're constantly pursuing perfection in terms of making a name for yourself in the world. Judaism doesn't focus on that at all. Judaism focuses on what did you do with the vessels that you were handed, with the cards that you were dealt? How did you operate in life? That's the most important thing in life. And that is the true measure of success, perfection, and happiness. Okay, take care, everyone. Have a great night. Be well.